for February 5th, 2024. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 814. Mission Impossible Into Darkness. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are like your smart, funny friends from the internet. Really, we're like a band. We each play our parts. We all contribute to a greater whole. And tonight, we are pleased to accept the Grammy for best podcast for the past 15 (laughs) years. We're here at the Grammys. We're on the show floor. We're so excited. Uh, You know, there's Taylor Swift. There's Miley Cyrus. There's... Oprah, for some reason, Oprah is here. Uh, there's there's uh, Billie Eilish's mom and dad um, here chaperoning uh, her and her brother. I guess I you know I don't know. I was so so glad to be here and to be able to to comment on the Grammys all night for the next five hours, uh, trying to you know trying to bring you all the the hot gossip from the Grammys recording. Uh, I'm Matt Rather. I'm here with Pete. Pete, uh, which one is Dua Lipa and which one is Doja? cat uh it's actually doja lipa and do a cat you have them backwards (laughs) do do a cat is that a dance do a cat do a lion do a cat do a lion (laughs) (laughs) t-rex there's no t-rex in the book man Uh, yeah and and mark uh mark why is this country singer uh covering fast car i really it's just something about it feels wrong to me that's a thing. Sure, that's a thing. It's it's because it's it's bringing together blue and red America. Let's go with that. I guess so. Yeah, I know. That's 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 what an award show is definitely uh is definitely going to do. No, we're not uh, no, Taylor Swift is going to do that next week when she shows up at the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> so I'm told yeah, she's yeah, bring together absolutely. Blue and Red America. Actually, I mean, no, no, she's, this is going to continue to tear America apart. Look, it's all good. she's going to roll off stage uh, from the Eras tour, you know, get a motorcade to the PJ, you know, d- jump on the jet, and uh, yeah, be there in where is it this year? Las Vegas, Vegas um, baby. Yeah, I, I guess so. To uh, you know, be there. I saw a statement uh, online from the the Japanese embassy in the United States saying that uh, they were guaranteed personally guaranteed. Not personally, it's a corporate. Uh, entity they were as a nation guaranteeing that taylor swift would be uh would be home in time for for the super bowl and that is let's be honest guys like even if you're taylor swift i feel like you know um bridging the divide between red and blue america is kind of an impossible mission wouldn't you say Uh, oh that's that's a better one than i had that's like uh that's like um my, mine was going to be, you know, we're not talking about the Grammys, but, uh, b- like, uh, like the Grammys, everything in this movie is in 4-4 time. We're talking about <laughs> the bastardized theme song of, uh, of Mission Impossible. Yeah. Ghost Protocol, Mission Impossible, colon, <laughs> wait, no, no, sorry. Mission colon impossible, colon, dash, dash Dead reckoning. ghost, Pro, get, get, Dead Reckoning. Sorry, I, I forget the names part of, the, of the image. Part one. <laughs> <laughs> that is better than what I was going to say, which is that watching the Grammys makes me want to throw myself off a cliff riding a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. Dead Reckoning Part One. Mission colon impossible. Dash. Dead, dead Reckoning. Parenthesis. Part one. Part one. <laughs> 
Detective Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this is uh, this came out in theaters a couple weeks ago, uh, a couple months ago, and now or over the summer, something I don't know. Time is meaningless. Um, and the uh, the uh, it just dropped on streaming. I think you can pay for it on Peacock, right? That's uh, that's how you that's how you watch it. Paramount Plus, man. Oh, if you're sorry. watching plays of the Monster Machines, you can watch Mission Impossible. If you've been watching Star Trek Picard this whole time, then you can watch Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, P- Detective Pikachu, right now for free. By which I mean you already paid for it with no commercials. Got yes. it. So it's uh, it, it is the second best thing on Paramount Plus after uh, Brave New World, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, Brave um, New Worlds, yes, that one. <laughs> so let's arguably uh, arguably the Paw Patrol movie, the second Paw Patrol movie, but yes. that's we've already talked about that. Paw Patrol, and, the Mighty movie, of course, which is slightly better <laughs> than the. One like the twelve different cowboy shows down Don Johnson is in, right, or something like that. That you can also watch at Paramount Plus. They have a good Super Bowl ad coming out. I don't know if you're Par- Paramount t- Plus t- has a good Super Bowl ad coming out. Somebody sent me a really good Paramount Plus ad that I'm assuming is a Super Bowl ad because it had really high production values and Patrick Stewart in it. So uh, look forward to it. Well, look wait, the, the old Paramount Plus ad was that they were all like mountain climbing together or something. They were all like on a snowy peak, like Patrick Stewart and. Mr. Yellowstone, or is is that a different one? I, I don't know. Yeah, I can't, they're all I can't not tell. a mountain because Paramount's logo is a mountain. Exactly. It's a mount, yeah. yeah, it's a mountain, right? And and uh, Tom Cruise is throws himself off a mountain in yes. uh, in this film. So so Tom Mission Cruise, Impossible like, Alita Ballot Battle Angel, got it, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, I mean his uh, well the the CGI to keep him young, it's you know kind of uncanny valley ish, but. But uh, you know, I don't know. Alita Battle Angel looks a little bit a little better than than Tom Cruise <laughs> in in Mission Impossible Part Eight. Ghost Pro. No, I I keep mixing it up with with the better movie Ghost Protocol. Uh, D- Dead Reckoning. Um, Dead Reckoning Part Part One. Now, one thing Tom Cruise can do is move through space, right? Like traversing. He uh, on in a uh, Fiat in a motor on a motorcycle in a boat. Um, would you? Could you on, on a boat? Foot, would, running would you, very running, fast. Yeah, exactly. In his like, uh, you know, Usain Bolt like um pose running with the the terminator 90 degree bent arms and the legs like the knees the high knees uh it's a real like plyometric workout every time tom cruise decides to run uh on a train would you could you on a train uh you know and and uh he um moves through he moves through space with with the characteristic intensity that that tom cruise brings to every single thing that he does it leads me to ask does this movie have a la a justin lynn joint a sort of geometric organizing principle where the the thematic the character and the visual elements of the movie coalesce in a uh you know in a particular uh visual tro- visual image or pattern uh that recurs frequently we we got to go to uh we got to go to our visual image analyzer pete fenzel for this <laughs> We got the it. entity, as I yeah. like to call myself. <laughs> he's he's uh, he he suffers from Lin sanity, but but Justin yes. Lin, the director, Justin Lin sanity, <laughs> exactly. So that's uh that that's where we go for that. Pete, enlighten me uh, about Tom Cruise's moves in this movie. So here's the fun part: you aren't going to forget the name of this movie anymore because the name of this movie is the most meaningful name of a Mission Impossible movie. 
pretty much at all, <laughs> right? Like, because uh, obviously the missions aren't impossible, right? So, like, yeah, that is certainly ironic. But uh, they actually, the the title of the movie is very literally baked into the visual symbolism of the movie throughout. And, of course, the thing that makes this so important is that this is an action movie. And so to make the action movie have a thematic thematic depth to it, then the action itself should have thematic and symbolic relationship with what the characters are going through and what's happening in the movie. And all of it is built around the concept of dead reckoning. Now, of course, Matt and Mark, when you heard in the opening monologues of this movie, which, of course, are from a... Uh, Hunt for Red October DOS boot crossover <laughs> starring the, uh, the the Russian Federation ship Sevastopol, uh, a movie that, of course, was interrupted by computer self-destruction. Uh, you heard them talking about how they were navigating by Dead Reckoning. Yep. Did you by any chance stop and look up what Dead Reckoning is so that you could appreciate like what they were doing and why it might be relevant to what was happening in the movie? I, I know because my dad is a hobbyist pilot. That's that's there the only go. reason I know why what Dead Reckoning is. Otherwise, I would have no idea. Well, why don't you tell everybody, like, what is Dead Reckoning? De- Dead Reckoning is like a high school physics problem, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you know the speed and direction of a... We always use, like, uh, little steel balls <laughs> in high school physics. Like, if you flick a steel ball and you know it's, uh, you know it's position, speed, and direction at any given time, um, you can then, uh, you know, extrapolate where it will be at, you know, time T1 in the future, right? If you know T0 and you know S, the position, and you know the, the you know, vector, this, the speed and direction um you, you can say where that silver ball is going to be on the linoleum floor of your physics class after five seconds after 10 seconds after right. you know after whatever so it's it's just the process of doing some high school physics doing a little bit of algebra to uh to you know figure out what what uh, the position of an object is going to be at some future point in time yep another way to frame it is that dead reckoning is navigating based on where you've been and information that you have available about yourself uh, without having access to information about your surroundings. Mm. So it's uh, it's you navigate by dead reckoning, uh, you know, in something like cloud cover, because, you know, I mean, you can't really navigate in a plane by looking at things, right? Like being like, oh, well, there's that over there and there's that over there. Like you have to trust your instruments. You have to track your wind speed. You know that much more than I do. Uh, but but in general, with something like a submarine, you might also want to use your sonar to map where you are. Or you might, in various forms of uh, navigation, want to use, uh, you know, the stars or, you know, GPS, right? Or, or landmarks, right? In orienteering, you might want to associate it with a landmark. Uh, so they all have, like, like planes, planes now. Like, my, I, actually, airliners are, are maybe a little behind in this, I guess, because it costs so much to put instrument, you know, to change the instrumentation of a fleet of planes. But now pilots just like plug in an ipad planes are flown off of ipads now it's the damnedest thing <laughs> the, the uh the way you know that that kind of gps data is shown shown up as a as a thing but you know yeah absolutely like old old aviation charts and stuff like that that you you could put like a compass on or something and and you know draw uh draw lines on are are you know are pretty pretty cool um and and uh i just i i commend to you 
you the scene in the hunt for red October where they like run the chasm or what is it? They have like high, high uh, fidelity maps of a particular Canyon system. And they can, they can sort of go by just by speed and compass heading. And that's their, uh, that's their method for traversing the, the canyons that they, that they go through there. So it is a running theme throughout running theme, of course, through the Tom Cruise movie in these action sequences that the people are trying to go somewhere, but they can't see where they're going uh, for a variety of different reasons. And uh, because they can't see where they're going, there's this element of like risk and doubt that they are, in fact, going where they should be going or finding what they should be finding because they have to base it off of their own history, which becomes both a. That's where the geometry of it and the character of it connect, right? It's like, well, Tom Cruise, what about this person, Grace, that you've met, right? And we'll talk more about this later. Uh, Do you know who she is? Do you know what she's going to do? Well, what do you think about in terms of your history and people like this that you've met in the past? But more deliberately, let me go through a couple of the action sequences. The uh, horse chase into the sandstorm where everybody knows where the ruins in the desert are, but nobody knows, nobody can see them. And everybody is, has their faces covered, including the sniper who's wearing an eye patch, right? Like, so nobody can see, but everybody is going to the same place and they all know where it is, right? Um, the chase that Tom Cruise goes through in Venice, where he's being told by who he thinks is Benji where he's going, but he has no idea where he's going. He can't recognize any landmarks according to the streets. He's relying entirely on his historic trust for the sound that he gets. But but and then he of course gets double crossed by this by the entity and ends up lost. Um, the there's a great my favorite shot in the whole movie is the shot where Tom Cruise is running through the candles. Right. And there's all these candles that are illuminating him as he runs. Right. And you see it from profile as he's running through this like hall of candles. I think it's in Rome. Uh, And then and then Venice, but it's Venice. Yeah. And then it cuts to the front. And from the front, he crosses out of the candles and into darkness because he's not lit from the front. He's lit from behind and the side like we can. And we see Tom Cruise running in this context because we've seen all the times that he's run before. But when it's revealed where he's going, it's into darkness. This Mm. is Mission Impossible into darkness uh, after a fashion, but more deliberately, not like just sort of edgily and vaguely, but like into dark things. My favorite one might be when uh, Ethan Hunt and Gabriel are going to have a fight on top of a train and they both come up out of the train and that there is this like very uh, intense shot where it is shown that they are both facing backwards and neither of them are looking where they're going. And Gabriel like very sort of knowingly turns around. And so you have this situation where neither of them really are looking forward. Gabriel starts looking forward first, but Tom Cruise is looking backward at Gabriel, which of course dovetails with everything that had been talked to previously about the danger of Tom Cruise focusing on Gabriel instead of on the key and the entity, because the entity is exploiting his feelings about Gabriel to try to manipulate him in the final chase scene. So, I mean, even the stuff with the train, they're falling off the train. The whole thing is don't look down. Don't go. We have to go backward on the train. We have to go to the places that we've been. We can't look forward because looking forward is death. Uh, it's like, it's like this unknowable thing, but there's a lot of different instances of, uh, situations like this, just like blind chases, um, people getting into negotiations where they don't know where they're going. Uh, and and a lot of, of it is all goes back to history. Uh, and, and so that I think provides a lot of the 
visual relationship among the different chase scenes. Um, I mean, in the Rome scene, they don't really know where they're going um, and they get stuck. The, the whole thing with the Fiat being a joke. Um, I do love there's there's a. Um, oh, man. I mean, there's just Tom Cruise running scenes where he keeps going through light and darkness and light and darkness. And it's like knowing and not knowing and knowing and not knowing. Um, and, and the point about society that's being made, you know, society is a lazy word. The point about the relationship between people and information and truth that's being made is that the ability to, you know, mass produce or like mass distribute information that has been trained to look true without necessarily having to have a truth value means that people will be much worse in the future at navigating in accordance with what they see, right, uh, than they have been in the past. And it's not like they've been great at it in the past. Um, so this idea that we're all kind of maneuvering, we're all moving forward into a future together where we won't be able to see where we're going because it's going to be dictated by uh, algorithms that are able to supply us with what is emotionally satisfying for us, but what doesn't correspond to our practical reality for their own benefit and for the benefit of whoever controls them, right? Um, and that's the sort of social point. That's the sort of thematic point that's being made about about people. But then also this breaks down to the different individual characters and kind of their relationships with their pasts and their and nobody really having an idea of what they're going to do in the future, uh, which which is I think both the sort of dread and the kind of fundamental problem with the movie. Mark, Mark, um, Mark, would you say that there's a, a different movie with a with a, a similar message, perhaps one that there's no fate, but <laughs> what, what we, like like we're driving on a dark highway, you know, we're driving into the future and the darkness, the future is shrouded in darkness so that you can't you can't see it. And all you have is the little the, the you know, just the the small anchor of the yellow line that guides you uh, on your path that there's no fate, but um. But the fate that we create with, with ourselves. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, it starts with a T and, and, and rhymes with uh, Mission Impossible Merminator. Um, yeah, yeah, okay, quite right. Like, the, 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 it is a practically reflex on this podcast, right, to compare any movie that deals with a malevolent artificial intelligence to the Terminator movies, right? Um, are are you honestly, tired of it, like, Mark? <laughs> no, never. Never. Dude, it's the highlight of my week, man, and I say that without <laughs> any shred of irony, okay? But actually, but with that being said, I must exercise a little bit of restraint here um, because, like, we're, we're opening lots of cans and worms on that, and I frankly, we're starting to get into the, the, what I thought were the weakest parts of the movie, kind of this whole notion of the, the artificial intelligence, the entity, um, and what its deal is. Um, so before you do that, I just want to, like, cast out um, the whole kind of, you know, physical... Um, you know, the, the nature of the action sequences and how they're tied together and how they're thematic and everything like that. And just to make sure um, we, we we specifically touch upon Tom Cruise riding a motorcycle off of a mountain because that's, yeah. you know, that was like, you know, the big action set piece of the movie um, to, 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 to make my uh, to make an attempt at it and, and hand it over back over you, Pete, to fully flush it out. Right. The whole kind of dead reckoning and navigation piece like is, is obviously there. Right? Benji is telling, you know, Tom Cruise on the motorcycle, go left, go right, up this way, up this way, you know, and you're here. And it's like, OK, you just got to drive off this thing. Um, right. So like he's navigating without a full sense of, of, of where exactly he's going. Uh, that part is clear right now. Like now jumping off the mountain there, like there I, you start to get into a little bit of the kind of the religiosity of the movie. Right. It's, it's obviously a leap of faith. Right. Um, but what else is going on there, Pete? Well, they ask him how he's doing, 
And he says what he's it's funny to think of what he's doing. It's sort of a Buzz Lightyear moment where it's like, oh, it's not flying. It's falling with style where they ask him, like, what he's doing. And he says, I'm trying to get away from this mountain. Right. Like, like the idea that the the thing that matters is the thing that's behind him that he just jumped off of. Right. It's like, well, one way to get away from a mountain is to jump off of it. Right. Like, um, uh, but but the idea that he's not. He's not even really going towards the train. He's going away from the mountain. But yes, the idea that he doesn't know where the train is, he can't locate the train by sight. He has to accept on faith the 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 predetermined. Remember, he remember um, Ving Rhame saying, "Whatever you do, don't change the plan." Right? Um, because the because you don't know where you're going, so you won't be able to recalibrate and reorient in space a, immediately. But yeah, I think it's that it's a it's a situation where the the motorcycle represents the past, right? Um, and of course the, uh, the, the, the mountain, the mountain represents Paramount studios, yeah. right? <laughs> there you go. Which yep, is, yep, which yep. is kind of notoriously for sale right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, uh, and, uh, is being quartered by, uh, by a number of suitors. Byron Allen has made an offer for yes. Paramount <laughs> studios. This is an allegory about Byron Allen, the owner of the weather channel. <laughs> what if one man owned the weather and it was Byron Allen? <laughs> <laughs> he can literally make it rain anywhere. What if it's not raining outside? It doesn't matter. You believe that it is raining outside. That's the point. <laughs> but yes, yes, it's that, um, you know, the, the mountain leaping off of the mountaintop. I mean, of course, dead reckoning is obviously also reckoning with death. Right. So like you're reckoning with death at the same time as you're going into the, uh, you know, the undiscovered country, uh, you know, with uh, without a map, you know, or you have a map, but you don't trust it anymore because it was used to be printed out on MapQuest and now it's Google Maps. And they just changed it because they said there there's a delay and you don't know what it is. And they're asking you whether you want to accept it or not. And you don't know if you should see. That's exactly what this is. This movie is about Google Maps. <laughs> Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to divert onto I-91 because there's a slowdown of thirty five minutes on the route you're currently on and then that thing is clicking you know and that message is going to self-destruct if you don't uh if you don't accept it um or maybe that's maybe that's the apple maps interface i'm thinking about but yeah it's that it's it's you have to leap forward you're leaping they're all leaping forward into death um you know and they, they even have that monologue at the end where they talk about you know not being able to escape the past and this sort of um relationship with fate and he and you watch him sort of spiral downward in the uh, sky wing that he's riding um, as as he sort of leaps outward. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. You're talking about a, like the, after he after he jumps off the train. I'm connecting the jump that he makes off of the mountain with the jump that he makes off of the train uh, and, and suggesting that in the first one, he is going towards the train, but he doesn't really know where he's going and he confronts the 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 vacuum he confronts like the the void right and he kind of cuts through it uh and and he has his leap of faith and he he sort of learns something and then in the second time that he leaps he sort of uh he flies through it like or falls with style right he like he's like floating and flipping and spiraling and twisting while you're hearing that monologue you know about the past and about you know not about how you're not going to be able to escape the consequences of what's happened to you before, um, which of course you know the wages of sin are death and all that. Who's um, monologuing there? Is is it Gabriel or is it, or is it Ethan? I thought it was Kittredge, 
or um, who? Oh, okay, you're right. That's right. Yeah, I think well, right. That's, that's who they could get to come into the recording studio to do the A and R or whatever. Everyone else had COVID when they were <laughs> yeah. making this movie. Everyone else had COVID. This is the 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 movie where Tom Cruise had the like the freak out tape where the like. Uh, you know where he was berating some people for breaking the the COVID protocol, but this yeah. this this movie was was being made like under you know extremely extremely stressful conditions, and it was kind of like they were they were on display like saving the movie industry, like how you know save us, Tom Cruise, make make a you know make a movie that you know show that we can we can still operate our our dying business for for another decade or so, uh, you know, and and uh, so he was really really mad i guess because he felt like his you know reputation was on the line and then it turns out that this wasn't even the best tom cruise movie released that year i yeah i mean that's true but also i'm very supportive of his rant given the situation oh, yeah, i no, think no, it was no, entirely absolutely, appropriate absolutely i think it, it, <laughs> it was a very different time also right? 2020 2021 yeah. really um i mean so let, let's use a segue to kind of bring us back to the artificial intelligence conversation if that's okay um, I was shocked to see that this movie, you know, was conceived so early or so early, right? Like, um, you know, pre-production in 2019, they were supposed to go in photography in 2020 because, of course, right, the theme of the movie, well, I mean, okay, granted, Hollywood is making movies about killer AI for a very long time. You see, you know, 1984, The Terminator, et cetera, et cetera. But in particular, like the way that this movie described this mysterious malevolent AI that was infecting, you know, the internet and um, kind of distorting the truth people's perception of the truth itself felt very 2023 in terms of the discourse we've been having around generative ai deep fakes um you know um uh, images that are created entirely out of whole cloth right you know the pope and a uh, puffy balenciaga jacket all that kind of stuff right um so i mean it, like the kudos to the writers for kind of you know calling that shot there um so first, like name check that. The other thing, and just, and, and I want to get, get these big picture things out of the way here before, we, frankly, I start to nitpick some of the the issues that the that the movie had in terms of fully uh, grasping and embracing its 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 concept. Is that um, the other pressing thing about the movie is that it is specifically a movie about the dangers of AI that took place after a writers and actors strike, where which is principally about the dangers of AI itself right is it fair to say that's all coincidental or is there some other broader thrust there about the dangers of technology and ai that the movie just kind of like uh fortuitously uh, wrote upon i think this is i think this is an an uh a current i think this is correlation and not causation <laughs> i think that this, probably yeah that this is just like of all the the malevolent artificial intelligence movies this is the one that just so happened to um to drop when breakthroughs with large language models were making their way into the mainstream right because given how long it takes to make uh, a hollywood movie the script for this film was written in 1843 and <laughs> right like the the uh there was no I, there was no open ai right when when this everyone thought that like google was going to make the uh uh was going to make the the ai uh, people were going and talking about like oh it's machine learning it's not really ai so the the you know neural networks the whole uh i think that it's it's just a an incident uh, inc- in 
I think it's an instance of coincident timing um, is, is kind of what you're seeing. I think that's largely right. Except let me try to like put one thing idea out there that kind of gives it the more intentionality, the whole thing, more intentionality, which is that mission impossible movies. Now I'll caveat what I'm about to say with that. Like the, I feel like the plots of mission impossible movies are not particularly memorable and they typically aren't trying very hard for a big idea sort of thing. That being said, Mission Impossible movies up until this point um, were some variation of shadowy evil organization, people, human beings, right? Whether nation states or rogue actors or shadowy secret society, this, that, or the other, are out there doing bad stuff, you know, destabilizing the world for, you know, what maybe they think is their, you know, benevolent plan, this, that, and the other, right? Um, And, like, they kind of ran out of ideas ideas and so like if you if ethan hunt and the impossible mission for have run out of human foes to you know to to conquer impossible missions with um well then you have to move on to the next thing right which is machines um so in that way sure that's kind of coincidental but we're kind of like looking at this sort of end of an era sort of thing um where you know tom cruise is the last of the dying breed of movie stars and movies are moving to heavily CGI this and the other. And Tom Cruise is all about the practical special effects and all this kind of stuff. So it's like, you know, this like Tom Cruise versus the machine is, is like, is inevitable a plot point that, that would, that would come up and it is tied into the broader societal and technological changes that uh, we've all been talking about. Okay. So, so, so then the, the, the mountain represents Keynesian economics right represents the full <laughs> the full employment society you know mm. right and then uh the the motorcycle right is technology you know uh relieving us of the need to work of the need to stand on on the mountain right and then what the parachute is some kind of universal basic income that uh that guides him <laughs> The and then you him. fall and get hit by a train. That sounds about how that would work. <laughs> <laughs> you crash through the side of a train. <laughs> a very old steam-powered train. <laughs> yeah, it's but true. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Why I mean, didn't they? Why didn't they just stop feeding coal into the furnace? You know, that seems like the best way to start to stop a, <laughs> a train. Just lower the heat on the of the fire. You know, that's uh, roll to a roll to a stop right there, Pete. Sorry, I'm 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 uh, messing yeah. with you. I mean, I would not be surprised if the movie was rewritten somewhat because that one of the okay, we're talking about nitpicking a little bit. One of the things I, I wanted to nitpick a little bit about the movie, and I don't know if you felt this way too, was that what exactly the AI was doing was was not clear. And, and kind of varied from scene to scene in terms of, like, what its M.O. was, what it was trying to do. And they even talk about it in the movie, like, well, it seemed like it was doing this, and then it was doing this, and then it was doing this totally different thing. Which, from a storytelling perspective, is tough, especially because, like, it's not a character, you know, so you don't yeah. actually get to see it do anything. But I mean, they, they go far as say, like, all the intelligence people say, like, oh, it infiltrated all of the intelligence computer networks and all the world. And what did it do? Nothing. Yeah. Well, because the idea is that it's a machine learning algorithm because that's the that was what was available, you know, when this was written. Uh, and it and the idea is that it was fine until it infiltrated the Saudi intelligence agency, at which point it got a data set and it got a big data set big enough to begin to imitate an intelligence agency. And so the idea is that it sort of co-ops and takes over the and like replicates 
the systems that it learns from. And so it could run the markets of the world. It could run the governments of the world. It could replace the intelligence agencies. I mean, I thought it was notable that it seems to operate like how Ethan Hunt operates. Like it goes in, it infiltrates. You don't quite know what it does. And literally, literally, they say, Pete, in in the movie, the uh, the AI has gone rogue. The entity has yeah, gone yeah, rogue. Right. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's right. Yeah. And that's that, that. You know. And I just I they thought it was state, by the way. That's like, oh, they're they're going to go rogue. That's what you always do. Right. right. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it's also the entity has gone rogue, and I thought like this sets up. You know the the. Um, the uh, part two scene where Ethan stands in front of like the the uh, pulsating eyeball, right? Like in the in the the depths of the Siberian uh, under the ice shelf or or whatever, right? Like under the the ice of the Arctic, and the the entity says to him, "We are not so different, you and I. <laughs> we both we both go rogue. Let's have a rogue off." <laughs> Do you think the AI is going to get the choice? Do you think it's going to be able to choose and accept the mission? It's going to like join the team at the end. It's going to be like Vegeta. Uh, <laughs> it's like, well, you beat me so bad. I got to join you now. Um, but yeah, like, but then I feel like this, this stuff that was added to it about it being a large language model and it like misleading people in the news and it giving you fake ideas of what's going on. It only does that to a very limited degree in the movie, right? Like, like that it actually like spreads false information. Well, here's the thing that actually this is really what frustrated me about it, right? Which yeah. is that like we don't know how much of the information we're getting is false, and there's never a reveal of like a big amount of false exposition to suggest to us this was the information we told you that was true that was false. Like everything that we're told throughout the beginning of the movie more or less turns out to still be true at the end of the movie, even though we are assured that we should not trust any of it right. because the AI is interfering right. with all of it. It's, um, it's well, right. Like it's, it doesn't, it seems like the AI's plan is to have a really badass action movie, you know, yeah. because every, everything the AI does seems really focused on getting Tom Cruise to do stunts, getting him yes. to run really fast over the roof of an airport in Abu Dhabi, you know, getting him to dive off of a mountain, getting him to do all of this, this, you know, train, train climbing, free, cli free climbing, entangling train car like this. All this stuff seems, uh, really um the the point of the ai and yeah they're the the ai is really underdeveloped as a character but it you know what it functions like one one of the things it does is it functions as kind of an as a means of revealing everyone's nefariousness like kittredge the the head of the the cia you know uh foremost among them though though all of them in that inexplicable and way 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 too long scene where they're all talking to uh to wesley from the princess bride about like wait what even is the impossible mission for it not the international monitor no the other the other imfs or the the Oh God, don't make me say it. The impossible mission force. God damn it. I said it. Um, the, uh, where they're all talking to that and, and, um, uh, uh, what's her name there? She's, she's been in everything recently in Indira, Indira Varma, Indira Varma. Uh, yeah. From uh, 
Yeah, and Dira Varma is is there sitting, like lounging as though she's being shot for Harper's Bazaar for some reason, like just reclining on a chaise, like uh, with her legs crossed, it, it, kind of posing. I think I think like she is the smartest actor in that because that that scene, whatever it was, with all the coverage they did, like probably took like four or five days to film, and she's like, hey, you know what, I'm gonna lay out on my comfy couch. That's what you know. That's. <laughs> And that's act. Yeah. That is an actor who works, my friend. That is somebody who knows. You know, um, uh, don't ever take a bite of your food in a shot because you're going to have to shoot that forty times, and you're going to be so so sick of macaroni and cheese uh, by the time you move on to the next to the next sequence. Anyway, yeah. um, like that where they all they kind of all have an evil off with like, well, we should get the entity and control it. You know, like we actually want the and it 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 is just like the the it's it's more like it's like the MacGuffin and sneakers you know um it's just the idea of sort of limitless power and it what it does is reveal f- to people it it reveals people's kind of nefarious uh uh intent you know it reveals their kind of their their underlying evilness and that's you know i don't know that's what the ai is that's what it's for that's really the 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 work that it does it doesn't it kind of doesn't need to do anything it's almost like the people say like it, it probably doesn't even exist they just need to believe that it exists in order to um uh you know in order to to show up as the the worst version of themselves especially especially uh especially kittredge Thematically, that makes a lot of sense there, but let, let's keep let's keep nitpicking here. <laughs> like, <laughs> let, let me let me just get my, my one of the, my main gripes about the movie uh, on the table. Self, so, self driving mode. Uh, the, the, we'll get there. I mean, that's that's one of the many things, right? Okay, so there's Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt goes into this meeting where here here's all the exposition about here's all the stuff that the entity can do, and it's infiltrated basically every computer network in the world, and you can't trust anything digital, and blah blah blah, all this kind of stuff. And what do they do in the immediate next scene? They go to the airport and they use all their digital stuff yeah. <laughs> just as they would have before. And they give yep. Tom Cruise the uh, AR sunglasses, which, of course, get compromised. Um, and, and well, they're meanwhile, they are the one they are also out there compromising um, other other computer systems and facial recognition and things like that and distorting reality in a way like they are the they are the evil AI as well, too. But anyway, the, my point being is that, like, guys, you just learned that any computer system can be compromised and you go and use your computer systems. Shouldn't that have been the moment where they like strip things down to basics? Kind of like, um, what was the James Bond movie? A uh, skyfall where they just like, you know, time to go old school, <laughs> you know, and pull yeah. up their, like the real, the real, they, oh. they sort of do that towards the end, except Pete, as you mentioned, they initiate self-driving mode <laughs> on a sophisticated <laughs> digital vehicle. And like, that is somehow okay. But they also kind of just like sneak in. Oh, by the way, we're using analog radios. So we're communications are fine. Right. The entity can't get reaches over that. You know what the entity could do is get a digital analog converter <laughs> and intercept communications. We have them. That we it's have them. That we've had that. We've had them for decades. They're called CD yes. players. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. not a, it's not a, uh, that was an RF switch. That's not an RF switch. Not a hard, it's not a, not a hard t- technology yeah and and uh let me just point you to a little cinematic masterpiece called independence day id4 where they use uh morse code to communicate uh, <laughs> across the globe about how to how to defeat the aliens when all digital communication is uh is brought down by this you know uh 
a world ending threat. So, uh, so yeah, the, the kind of really, really mistaking the nature of the, the nature of the enemy or, or, or failing to adapt seems very unmission impossibly for sure. Yeah. So while we're kind of uh, nipping on things, can we talk about the MacGuffin? You mentioned the MacGuffin earlier. Let's talk about the MacGuffin, the cruciform oh, yeah. key. Yes. Um, and like, and like again, to state the obvious here, I don't know. It's not. This isn't the nitpick fest here, right? This is the nitpicking podcast. We're not cinema sense. Um, that being said, right, like this movie cannot possibly be setting it up so that like everything comes down to this particular MacGuffin and sticking it into the core of the AI and shutting the whole thing down. Right? It cannot possibly be that simple. That I mean, I almost guarantee you that in Dead Reckoning Part Two. That is the twist that we will see is that like, oh, actually, the key doesn't do anything and blah, 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 this, that and the other. And yet, right, like this entire movie depends on us buying into the importance of this particular MacGuffin and how this is the thing that's going to save the world. The AI cannot be possibly that stupid to allow itself to be defeated by a couple of little pieces of metal, like, you know, two fancy USB keys, right? That cannot possibly it. Can it be? Is that really where this is going to go? I hope not. I hope it's like the cruciform in the Hyperion Cantos, where you would just when Tom Cruise wears it around his neck, if he's killed, he gets the it rebuilds his body from scratch younger. Uh, But no, like so. So uh, I wanted to ask a question about this because we see the cruciform key around the necks of Russian sailors, right? Yes. Yeah. And and supposedly the big big orthodox uh, um, energy, by the way, the entity isn't Russian, right? The entity was this is something I was a little confused at because they talk about, oh, we put the entity on the, the submarine. Carrie right. Elways says this. However, isn't in the original monologue like they're already using? So that I think that was a little bit I was a little bit confused that, oh, the people on the submarine, don't they know they're using an AI or do they not know that they're using an AI? I don't think they, they know. I think they think they're using like fantastic new stealth. They think they're in the hunt for Red October. Right. And they're talking about their advanced technology, and that's intercut with shots of this AI computer, which at the time you don't know isn't on purpose. Right. Like, so, like, I was confused as to whether this was like Russian military technology. But okay, if the cruciform key's purpose is to destroy the AI, then why did the Russians have it when the Russians didn't make the AI? Wouldn't it make more sense if the purpose of the key is to give the AI access to Russia's nuclear weapons or something along those lines? Here, here's like, here's what I think it is. This and okay. I saw this. I saw this in the theater and I saw it a, a second time. So okay, um, so you watched it. You watched it for six hours of your life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> God, so so depressing when you put it that way. Sorry, uh, jump off the mountain, man. Just get away from the mountain. You know, after this, we watched this. Or we had a double feature last night, and after this, we watched a much better movie i think i'd like to spend the rest of the podcast talking about american (laughs) fiction starring jeffrey wright uh it's a really really good movie um so okay uh i the the uh the russians thought that they were testing a um thought that uh, thought that they were in fact they were the russians intended to test their new stealth capability unbeknownst to them the americans took a piece of the ai took like a copy of of the the entity's code like a cutting from a plant and infected the stealth technology in the sub from uh, uh with with this trying to see if they could defeat the stealth technology and not having uh 
not having the um uh the foresight to see that the entity would sort of evolve and take over the the thing and like preserve itself or or whatever take o- take over the thing so um the the cruciform key right uh is has nothing to do with the ai the cruciform key is a spike equilibrium you'll recall <laughs> that at the beginning of the hunt for red october there was like both the captain and the political officer had um had keys to open the safe right to get uh into the orders to read the orders of the uh, uh of the you know what the red october was going to do this is a way that the the captain and the political officer or whoever that other character is can both have a key uh, but that using two keys at once can be more awesome. So the the cruciform key has nothing to do with the entity. The cruciform key is just what the Russians used to secure their stealth technology, which happens now to have an original copy, an untake-over-the-worldified copy of the entity's source code. Which can oh. be reverse engineered because it was because it was sunk to the bottom of the ocean, you know, at a time uh, before the entity really got evil, right? Because it was sunk to the bottom of the ocean, that is where you have to go. Uh, that the, yeah, that's where you have to go to um, to to get the original source code. So it just it's 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 a spike equilibrium. It's just a it's just a way to make the failsafe of having a you know sort of two person ascent on on taking an action unlocking the the fancy stealth technology right like to make that more awesome um and the the blinking lights on the key more awesome still right uh, <laughs> so that's so it's, uh, like, it's like the mosquito in amber like that's the the sealed version that makes a lot of sense that it's yeah. a sealed version of the ai that's yeah but that's there. right, right, right. It, uh, under underneath the ice and this gets to my big gripe did they not anticipate that you know between making this movie and releasing it that there would be some kind of submarine disaster uh <laughs> Like some kind of really sad, you know, uh, like very unfortunate uh, loss of life um, involving undersea exploration and that like whatever Tom Cruise is doing in like, uh, you know, free diving in the Arctic without an air tank or whatever, whatever it is he does to uh, to retrieve the thing. Like, right. No, no way. No way is Tom Cruise not going, you know, uh, not going balls out in the icy water of the Arctic in part two. Right. Like, I'll 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 there, here's twenty dollars. Right. Like this is a standing bet that like he's going to um, uh, he is going to swim, you know, three hundred meters below the the arctic ice shelf um in conditions that would kill a, a human being in uh in um you know half a second uh in order to in order to retrieve the thing and that it, there's going to involve like a lot of banging on a hatch and the hatch is going to be heavy and <laughs> difficult to move and that's uh that's my that's my thing but did they not know that you know underwater exploration is inherently dangerous especially when you cut a lot of safety corners and that's uh you know i don't know it just seemed it seemed ghoulish to me to watch the uh uh to watch the first mission impossible movie after that that uh, very sad uh submarine disaster 
So did anyone else think that when the torpedo didn't blow up when it hit the submarine that Tom Cruise was going to be inside of it and was going to have used it to infiltrate the submarine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought, yeah, somebody yeah. Was, was on submarine already. Or yeah. Like, that was like he's already infiltrated it. And it's like, this is just going to be the intro where he takes over the submarine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that all, that all makes sense. I mean, I guess the whole thing of like, I don't know what the key unlocks. It's like, well, is it important? It's 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 almost like it is I on get themes it. we talked about, right? Like they don't know exactly where they're going. It's just like we gotta, yeah. you know, okay, right? But yeah, I, find the MacGuffin. By, by the way, sure. the torpedo, the submarine shot went back where it came from because it couldn't find because there was no target that it could see, right? Like which is another kind of situation similar to the characters in their emotional states uh, in this movie. That's uh, that's actually, I mean, that that gets to another. The the problem with Dead Reckoning is drift. It's called drift, right? Okay. Cause you, you mean can, of real, real life, the real yeah, life real problem real with life. Dead Reckoning. Yeah. yeah. So, so you can, you can sort of find where, uh, where a steel marble is going on the floor of your physics classroom, right? Because there are no other forces acting more or less on the steel marble rolling across the, the floor of your physics classroom, unless it hits, I don't know, like a, a, a bump in the linoleum or something like that. Um, but uh in the real world right in in situations where you might want to navigate by dead reckoning in the air or in the water both air and water are fluid right they they move relative to the craft and relative to the to the ground so if you're on an airplane and you're flying 100 knots in one direction but the wind is blowing uh, the wind is blowing at you a hundred knots. Uh, that would be scary, but like the, the, you know, suppose you have an equal headwind to the way that you're going, your airspeed, you're moving through the air at a hundred knots, but your ground speed is zero, right? You're, uh, you're, you're, can you uh, do that? Yes. You actually okay. can move. You actually can go backwards in an airplane, and wow. it is uh, it is scary and dangerous. And you immediately <laughs> you immediately like ascend or descend to try to find better better wind conditions. But yeah, you, you can have a negative ground speed. Um, but you know, okay, so that's a, that's an an extreme example of it. But say you have a crosswind, right? Like say the wind is blowing across your uh, across the path of your travel. You're going to drift the direction the wind is blowing. You know, without meaning to, without, uh, without, um, you know, uh, changing your, your direction, you're going to just be, be blown off course, which is why, like, you use, you use compasses to navigate. You use, you know, or global positioning or something like that, that actually tracks your position over the ground rather than, rather than just your position in the air. Same thing with a boat. If you're going in one direction, but the current is, you know, if you've ever tried to, like, canoe, uh, or some, a kayak or something against a current, right? Like, the current's going to take you where the current wants to, uh, wants to take you. So, like, it's not just, uh, it, it's not just that, like the the sort of the future that, like you know, that like S one uh, position, unknown position, future position at T one, you know, unknown future time uh, is unknown. But then there are also like aspects of the aspects of the um, uh, of the environment that like that change around you and that like really really change your um, really change your uh, situation moment to moment. So like it's it's not a good. Uh, it's not a good um, or or super reliable way to to you know move through a through like a like a fluid environment um, like the water. So like the the that's the thing with the that's the thing with the torpedo, right? Like the circumstances the circumstances change, you know, and then it sort of it rehomes and it it reacquires. Well, it's it's actually not the thing, but it it gave me an excuse to talk about the. Um, 
talk about the thing that I wanted to talk about, which is which is drift. Like you, you dead reckon you you charge, you run, you know, uh, elbows pumping at you know your hands like like blades slicing through the air in front of you. Um, but the the wind is blowing at you, and you're you're going to like end up in a different place than you uh, end up in a different place in, than you thought you would end up in. And that's that. I mean, I feel like that's sort of sort of what happens to. Uh, that's sort of what happens to to Tom Cruise in this. This I don't know. Yeah, the, this movie, like like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, gets gets sort of less awesome and fun with every iteration. Uh, you know, like it's it's such it seems like such an emotional burden to be Ethan Hunt uh, in these movies, and it doesn't seem like anyone is is doing anything or or like having any fun or or any any enjoyment. It just seems like you know all your friends die, uh, all your your nice eye patch friend uh, dies in front of you. You know, uh, H. Carter is uh, you know just double crossing you at every turn. You know, and and your train blows up. Like, what? What is ter- terrible? I guess you get to jump off a mountain in in a in a bike. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, just like to make it really clear, right? Like the these movies um, did try to give more nod to like an ongoing character development, particularly with Ethan Hunt and his relationship with Ilsa Faust, right? Who and and Ilsa managed to survive through what two, three, like two and a half movies, I think. Yeah. Right, um, and she's gone, and. Tom Cruise has like one scene where he gets to grieve on a rooftop and then it's back to work and <laughs> possibly we'll go on to smooshy smooshy with, uh, with Agent Carter, uh, in the next movie. Right. Probably almost definitely is going to happen. Right. Does he, there isn't not a lot of, there's not a lot of arrows in the, the mission impossible universe. Well, and another reason why Maverick, which I, I think of them as being in the same season, they're not in the same season. It's just that Maverick, the long shadow of Maverick, uh, you know, extended into 2023 from 2022, but like there's, there's arrows in Maverick, right? There is a, there is a kind of generative, there's a sort of like energy for life. You know, there's a, there's a sense that the world is a good, good, good place. And, and, you know, we, we do things like, um, you know, climb into our girlfriend's window at the, the, you know, in our fifties, it's, it's, it seems like a fun, fun place to be, you know? Um, and then like, uh, there's, the highway to the danger zone man there's a highway not a train track a highway to the uh to the danger zone and in mission impossible i don't know it's a it's a train track to the danger zone which seems seems bad because you're sort of constrained with with how far how how much to the left or right you can go i mean i'm definitely on board with the idea that the mission impossible series has become increasingly grim for the character of ethan hunt i'm not on board with any idea that it's declined because fallout was awesome and that was just only one movie ago. <laughs> so, like, it, I don't think it's been sliding. I think it's been consistently excellent. And this movie is already pretty good. But just the idea of making a two-part, six-hour Mission Impossible movie is going to have problems associated with it. And I feel like you see them. But I guess what I would say is, like, the arrows in this – I totally agree that the arrows in this movie is an issue. I would point out another dimension of this movie that is similar that is an issue, which is that this is a movie where a hyper-intelligence is steering global events – toward uh in, you know the inevitable domination of its interests over the entire world it is maneuvering people from all over the world uh in an effort to do this and there are several climactic points wherein events might diverge these events heavily feature hand-to-hand combat 
And the hyperintelligence largely declines to invite the presence of any men under the age of 50 to participate <laughs> in the hand-to-hand combat. There is a version of the intelligence that is perhaps more intelligent where six 23-year-old dudes show up on that bridge and just curb-stomp Tom Cruise or, or Gabriel or both of them. There's a version of that situation because you talk about drift. I was thinking about another factor being like chaos, being an issue with the AI uh, and and the sort of or also with the concept of dead reckoning in this movie, you make small changes and they end up having large consequences and then they have large consequences and then they have consequences. And so everything eventually veers off the rails. But like, we, what happens if just like a random drunk Italian dude is on that bridge and just like, you know, you get something on his shoe and he decks you. Right. Like these are these are 60 year old men. I mean, yeah, they're super spies, but like, you know, like these are like. Even I mean, again, I don't want to be like I don't want to be cruel, but at the same time, the the fighting in this movie is not being carried out by like by like people who look like they are like vigorously engaged in the act of fighting. You know, even the younger people who are involved in it are like tragic and sad. And most of the young guys are relegated to like holding guns and getting the snot beaten out of them. Um, And it's like, oh, well, I beat the two young men with no trouble, but now I have to deal with Carrie Elway's right like oh man it's the serious the serious time has happened but yeah like with Fallout you had the presence of Henry Cavill as sort of an alternative to Tom Cruise and I think it's interesting the first movie I saw this in was probably well the first movie I saw it in was Rocky Balboa right which was where Stallone had that relationship with the younger female character and they very wisely just like didn't make it sexual at all um, I think that was the the Rocky movie that it was. It was Rocky Balboa. Um, and it was like, yeah, he's just an older guy and he likes talking to a younger woman, but he's not going to do anything about it because he knows where he is in life. And this isn't something he's going to do. And I think that the second Jack Reacher movie was like that, where Tom Cruise was with um, um, Robin from How I Met Your Mother, whose yeah. name I should know. Uh, but she's just Robin Colby, and Colby Smothers. Colby Smothers, Colby Smothers, where like Colby Smothers, Smothers and Tom Cruise are hanging Smothers. out the whole movie. And you would expect in a less enlightened movie for them to have like a sexual subplot. But they just don't because Tom Cruise is like 50 in that movie. Um, and uh, and she very much is not. Which and, is totally, totally unlike actual Jack Reacher books. <laughs> Where there's there's a lot of like they tore at each other hungrily, and when yeah. their passion was sated, they lay in the early morning. Yeah, anyway. Um, but there is yeah, there is the yes. question now of what Ethan Hunt even wants because I don't believe this whole thing about like oh the only thing that Ethan Hunt is now is a big red button where he like must recapitulate his trauma of losing his lost love by like attempting to sacrifice himself to save whatever woman happens to be nearby. Right. Like and that's really is kind of a main I, I I would take the movie less seriously if I didn't feel like that was being positioned in this movie as like a real psychological problem. Right? Like this is not a well man. Right. This is a person who is in a very <laughs> he's in a spiral where he keeps doing the same nonsense over and over again. And everybody knows it. An AI in a Russian submarine knows that this guy has this thing for feeling he needs to sacrifice himself for God. random women at the airport. Right? Like, men, like, uh, <laughs> men, men will literally throw themselves off a mountain instead of going to therapy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, did anyone else hope that that Haley Atwell's character actually was just a hairdresser and that the entity was making her into this like exotic thief because it knew that Tom Cruise was going to care if she was an exotic and like, oh, she's an exotic thief with a troubled past who might be on the verge of a secret. She doesn't fully understand. I've got the playbook for this, buddy. You know, this is an algorithm <laughs> for here. Right? Like it's this is a. 
you know, input output. And then it's like, yeah, I don't know who any of these people are, but this is very exciting. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's not a funny movie. It's not a funny. He doesn't laugh a lot. Let's talk (laughs) about even a character. Like, again, reinforces this idea I brought up earlier that this is like the end game. This is the terminus. Of, yeah. of the Mission Impossible movies, right? Like, I mean, have they, is that official, right? Like, is, is Dead Reckoning Part 2 going to be um, Tom Cruise's last turn as Ethan Hunt? Or um, are we going to have to, like, you know, cook up some other uh, contrived thing for Ethan Hunt to save the world and deal I, with it? I'll demons? believe it when I see it, you know? It's got to be, yeah, I'll exactly. <laughs> like, it, but though it's got to start, it's got to be taking a toll on his body, you know, hanging on the, hanging off the sides of the airplanes has got to be taking a toll on his body now, you know, that it, that it, that it didn't used to. I don't know. I mean, I would hope, I, it seems it's going in that direction. It seems like there's no reason to make a two part movie if it isn't the last one, unless you were releasing them much closer to each other. When is the second one coming out? I think 2025. Yeah, but this is a yeah. strike thing. This is a pandemic and strike thing. The the oh, uh, the ti- they couldn't finish it. The timing, yeah, the timing is weird. But I think it also it, it has to do with the movie business a lot a lot where they sort of thought that like uh, these blockbuster tentpole movies were the only way you can you know um, the only way you can make money in in cinema anymore. Um, and that's uh, so, you know, le- it, instead of like making one movie, let's shoot one movie, but make them two, Le- make them two movies, you know, uh, that that's like um, that, that that that's the thinking like it's it's a real like uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part one and two Twilight Breaking Dawn part one and two. Um, I, I feel like it's been done a bunch of, of oh, uh, uh, Fast X part one and two uh is is the other notable one currently in in cliffhanger status as you know dom stands at the bottom of the uh at the bottom of the the dam with um uh, jack reacher and aquaman cackling cackling above him um <laughs> that that's like you know that that, that that's that, that's the problem problem is none of those movies none of the part ones did great <laughs> this <Yeah>. year <laughs> like uh money wise you know and um uh yeah anyway uh anyway i'd like to tell you about a little movie called american fiction stars no, jeffrey wright it's <laughs> no but uh you know that like um yeah, that that it's not even is 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 fast 10 the last is fast x the last the last uh you know fast and furious movie i don't i don't believe it for a second they can't you know they'll 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 ride that car till the wheels come off um i mean maybe this is the wheels coming off it could be uh but uh yeah i, mean, I don't know like this, if this is i mean if this is the farewell you know i don't know you'd, you'd seem to like uh, with, with in Maverick, I'm sorry. I'm I'm just I'm like I'm driven go, to go back and 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 talk about Maverick so much. Like in Maverick, it was really clear why we should care, you know, like uh, about about the people. I mean, not not necessarily the mission, which was which was a bit of a, a MacGuffin type of thing. But you know, the 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 people, the team, the having to do of a hard thing, and the the uh, you know, and and Jennifer Connelly. Uh, and, and like in this, it's not totally, you know, it's not totally clear why it's not totally clear why, why we should care, except that, that it's Tom Cruise and he brings his, uh, he brings his considerable charisma to the, you know, to bear on, on, uh, on everything that he does, you know, it's a, yeah. I mean, I would even add that like, you know, the, uh, the, the movie tries to trade on the strength of the team, right. Particularly the original, the, the three Luther, Benji and, 
Ethan, right? You know, the whole thing about, um, you know, when, when Benji's diffusing the quote unquote bomb and, you know, the, the AI basically says, ha ha, you care too much about your friends. Ha ha. Um, and that's played out further and further. And then uh, <laughs> at the end of the movie, I was like, wait a minute, what happened to Luther? Where the heck is he? I was like, and then I had to remember like 20 minutes earlier. He's like, I have to go inspect the code on this thing. I have um, to go. And th- I, I need to go to the Deus Ex Machina base. That's in a different part, <laughs> a different part of right. the story. That felt off, right? Like they split up the team there and it became a duo. So, well, I guess, you know, I guess, uh, you know, Haley Atwell became, became the, the, the third member of the team at that point. Um, but it, it, the movie tried to gesture in that direction. Um, but ultimately, yeah, but they, sent, they sent Ving Rames away. I mean, I don't know I, if that was a retcon, if that was something that happened for, for a COVID production issue. Yeah, right? exactly. Something like yeah. that or some like weird rewrites, you know, you know, 30 drafts deep in, in this screenplay, but like, or if it's like, you know, the point is for him to come back in the third act of the next movie and, and save the day. Uh, in some form or fashion. Um, but the, you know, I don't know, the, the, there, there was something, I mean, this is, I, I don't want to go into, to open a whole, a whole new, a whole new can of worms, but I, I feel it in the end with this movie, I, I was left feeling like I had endured something. <laughs> You know, and not not necessarily um, I don't know, not necessarily that like a story with, you know, stakes or things that I care about had had been told to me. And I just like I think so, so much of the the kind of the episodic uh, nature of this this film and and a lot of films like it that I've been noticing recently. I'm going to try to articulate something I've been thinking um, owes a lot to video games where the sort of episodes are set up. Uh, are set up kind of as levels, you know, with like initial kind of initial encounters leading to a boss fight that, um, that are introduced with either text on the screen, like, uh, that are introduced with a cutscene, right? Like, uh, with either like, say, or, or like a voiceover where someone explains to you, like, all right, we're going inside this party. And the first thing that we have to do is talk to Vanessa Kirby. And, uh, you know, the, the, um, that, and that, like, then it, it just sort of plays out and that the idea of of um you know a larger plan of sort of action of you know action of of character of things that people care about of a you know a super objective um of you know people having like values or or wishes <laughs> in their lives uh is um you know it comes it comes to like uh uh, it comes down to these these sort of video game levels that are the that are the the action scenes and and just like really even the the in the um sandstorm fight and by the way there's been another better sandstorm fight in the mission impossible franchise in the 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 film whose title i keep mistaking mistaking for this one ghost protocol um but the you know uh they're all like you know they're they're indeterminate they're indis- they're not really separated uh they're they're just kind of like bad guys you know masked bad guys the the whole thing is very i don't know it's very uh very video gamey to me of of a certain of a certain genre and like it ends on this um it ends on this voice voiceover which is kittredge talking as though he's giving a second assignment 
to Ethan for destroying the entity. But I thought that Kittredge was like the bad guy, didn't want to destroy the entity. Like, it, it, you know, it didn't, it didn't really make sense. And like, who was he talking to and why? What were, you know, what was he, uh, what was he setting up? The, the, the voiceover, it just, it just descended into this kind of like Baroque, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, hyper reality that it's kind of like, it's not even, the voiceover isn't even about anything anymore. It's not, it's just a voice. It's not, cause it's not even over anything. <laughs> you know, it's not like, why, why is the voice, uh, why is the voice talking? Why, why? Why is the voice telling me these things? Uh, I guess it's another spike equilibrium. It's there to make the uh, the end of the movie more more awesome. I mean, you will one- you will, you will podcast for fifteen years. <laughs> podcast will take everything from you. <laughs> it will leave you a broken down, emptied out, hollow shell of a person. But you must continue to podcast your podcast should you choose to accept it. I'm sorry, Pete. Do you want to answer that before we wrap? Or, or uh... well, I just wanted to point out that one thing that's really gone under remarked and underappreciated about this movie is that they finally made a Mission Impossible movie where they just drop a piano on Tom Cruise's head. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, sometimes you got to go with the classics. We've achieved <laughs> a, tu- a, a tune killed Ethan Hunt. <laughs> Dropped a piano on its head. All right, that's the overthinking podcast thank you for listening to it thank you pete and mark for uh watching uh dead reckoning part mission colon impossible dash dead reckoning parenthesis part one close parenthesis and we close the parenthesis on this episode uh we'll be back next week so hey little programming note for for the stalwarts who will expect our our super bowl show um the logistics of watching the whole super bowl seeing commercials seeing the halftime show and being able to podcast about it on the same night uh those logistics have become uh sort of hard uh, to the point of being nearly unworkable so we're going to dvr the super bowl uh, talk about something else next week and then have the Super Bowl, uh, analysis, post game analysis. Um, you know, uh, which is basically going to be like, wow, look at the size of the diamond on that engagement ring that Travis Kelsey <laughs> gave Taylor Swift. Uh, wow, it was sparkly, wasn't it, guys? Um, I, you know, I stopped watching the Grammys a little earlier tonight. I don't know if we got uh, Reputation Taylor's version announced tonight, um, but uh, she turned no, all she of... she announced a new album coming out April new, 19th. New album? Yes. Oh, okay, there you go. You've been you've been uh, surfing the net, I guess, while we've been while we've been podcasting. Um, Look, the, the entity fed me some information while we were on this. It may or may not be correct. Love that. So okay, so that's uh, but uh, you know, there's there's your programming note next next week, uh, non Super Bowl episode, and then following week, uh, following week we will watch the uh, the Super Bowl commercials and and bring you that show. So thanks for thanks for sticking with us through through all the ups and the downs and the changes over over 15 years like tom cruise we can't hang on the airplane any uh, much longer um so uh we we appreciate that you come back every week we'll be here next week but if you want us till then you can visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it It probably probably doesn't doesn't deserve. deserve
oh man, that guy's also an exhausting uh, podcast to do. Oh, we finally made it to the end of the podcast. Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, the podcast is falling over the bridge. We gotta get up to the next episode. We get the next episode, we get the next episode. Okay, good. We're here. We're here in the next episode. We're oh, here at the oh, podcast. Oh, we made it. This is yeah. great. It's wonderful. Oh my god, the oh, next no, episode no, is falling over the bridge. Oh no, we're falling over the bridge. Oh, ah. Get to the end of the episode. Get to the end of the episode. All right, we did it. Good thing the rule of three isn't actually something that happens. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs>